It is so amazing to be back. It's cold. I live in West Palm Beach, Florida. It was 88 degrees when I left. And I walked off the plane and was like, this is hell. <laughs> it is so good to be here. If you're, if you're new here, I'm Uncle Jimmy. Uh, I am family. Uh, Irene and I are a part of just the substance, just vision of what God is doing here uh, in your local like space and also all around the world. So welcome all of the substance campuses, those watching online. Can we give it up for all those who are watching online today? I'm excited because I got to travel with my wife. She's actually like, I think I'll go with you. I was like, great, because they think I'm single. Come on. <laughs> so can y'all give it up for my beautiful wife of 23 years, Irene. And, and, uh, uh, and, and what I'm excited about, guys, is like all these graphics and all this is pretty cool. But I, I did something, guys. I, I, it finished. I wrote a book. Come on. And, and I don't know if it's good or not, but just like act like it is. You know, and, uh, and after service, I'll be signing these if you buy one. Like, I'm not going to sign it. You don't buy it. It's kind of, get, it gets weird. Uh, but if you, like, don't come to the table, I'd love for you to go on Amazon. And even if you don't like it, write a good review. Only write a review if it's five stars. <laughs> and, um, no, this is amazing. And this is, like, a part of, honestly, people says, well, how long did it take you to write this book? And I was like, about 25 years of ministry. And uh, it took about six months to actually put it, you know, together and, and uh, you know, and, and a publisher wanted it. And it was just so cool because I can't spell, guys. It's pretty cool. And, um, and so I would love for you after service to grab one of these or go on Amazon and grab one. And I'll be out there uh, signing some books today. But uh, what, what I'm excited about today is I, is I get to kind of preach uh, uh, or talk to you uh, from my relationship with your pastors. Uh, P Pastor Peter and Carolyn are just some of the most empathetic, uh, caring, uh, long texters. <laughs> Carolyn might be the longest texter in history. And, but I know they care. And what I love is like, uh, uh, like you would never think like that Irene, like I would fit with Peter, right? Like you'd be like, Peter's my brother. Like we're just different. Like, but it's amazing how these differences get highlighted and how we, we begin to learn from each other over the years. And so today, I get this opportunity to, to talk about the, the message of this book, and it's called Love Outside the Lines. In the, by, in the, in the title uh, or, or the byline is Beyond the Boundaries of Race, Difference, and Preference. And, and what I want you to do today is just trust me. Trust me as Uncle Jimmy and, uh, uh, you know, and one of the things that uh, as I got to, you know, Go through the years of, of developing this message. I've had, you know, just these amazing conversations with people that don't look like me, that people that don't act like me, that people that might not even like me, you know. And it's been beautiful to see how the love of God has no preference. It's been beauty. It's been amazing to see even years ago as I came and preached at your church right after everything happened with the George Floyd deal. And there was a pastor's event here. And it was about 200 or 300. No, it was a lot more. About 500 pastors here. And, like, I was the only black guy in the room. I was like, what is this going? Like, I'm not preaching. Come on, somebody. I'm not. 
I'm not doing that. And, and But I, what I love is just God's beauty when we can just talk and we can just discover and we can just love. And so I'm going to preach this message today, and, and I'm just honored. If, I, if I'm honest with you, I'm honored that I get to do this with my substance family. And we're going to look at uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29. And uh, I'm getting old. I'm 49 years old. So if I have to kind of hold my, my iPad back here to read, don't judge me because you have to do the same thing. <laughs> it says in our, in our text, our main text, it says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Can someone say all? For we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united in Christ in baptism uh, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Now, if you've known me over the years, I love new clothes. In fact, I decided to let our church know that my shoe game is better than Nate's, so I wore these today because I know he likes to act like he has the best shoe game, but he gets it from me. And, um, but what it's saying is like when we got saved, we, we put on this illustrated word of like, it's like we put on new clothes. And then it goes on and says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all, somebody say all, one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. I think it's important for us to know a little bit of the context of this passage of Scripture here, Paul. Now, now, now when, when I say Paul, you, we all think of the Apostle Paul. When we think of the Paul on the other side of Damascus Road, right? We think of the Paul who is building the church. But I, for a second, I want to go back into Paul's history and because this encourages me that he wrote this, because Paul was persecuting the church. Paul was killing people that didn't think like him, look like him, vote like him. Paul. And Paul writes this passage of scripture like in modern day today, like Paul would be considered prejudiced. Like Paul before this transformation, Paul would have been considered a racist. And I think it's crazy to me that Paul is writing this to the church. And we're like sometimes when we read scripture, we gotta understand the context of how powerful this passage of scripture is. Now, I wanted to lay that foundation, and today I wanna talk to you from the topic family reunion. Family. Reunion. Now, has anyone ever been to a family reunion, like, like a physical, biological family reunion? Anybody? I don't know if they have those here. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, so, so I just want to just set the tone. Now, we love each other. Like, my wife is, is uh, 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 biracial, right? So I asked her, I asked the white side of her, could I have permission? <laughs> right? Like, our church, when we were pastoring, was 99.5%. African-American because Irene is biracial. <laughs> are y'all with me? And so, and so family reunions are just different in African-American families. And they're great. Like, what I loved about the family reunion growing up, like, we went every single year. Now, my mom has uh, 
eight, I'm sorry, nine brothers and sisters. My, my dad's seven, right? Like they didn't, my grandparents didn't like kids. They just really liked each other a whole lot. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, and, and so family reunions were a big deal. Now, every year, our family reunion was about, no exaggeration, depending on the year, four to 600 people at a family reunion. Uh-huh. And, and, and so what was awesome about the family reunion is the best food in history. Now, no, I'm talking about in history. Like, it was like a blessing buffet. It, like, like it, it, you know, and I'm talking about, like, not green bean casserole, but, like, greens and ham hocks. Like, I'm, I'm talking about, like, not, like, Chick-fil-A fried chicken and Bessie's fried chicken. It's a whole nother left. Like, if you got a Bessie <laughs> and she got some extra skin hanging right here, she... <laughs> She can really cook. She does, babe. Don't, don't, judge, don't judge Aunt Bessie. Um, she's like, Jimmy. I'm like, she does. I'm telling the truth. And, and so I would love to go to the family reunion because I was just going to eat well. And, and, uh, and then, but Aunt Bessie uh, not only had, like, at our family reunion, we didn't play cornhole. Didn't know what that was. Wasn't in my community, right? Like, the first time someone's like, you want to play cornhole? I was like, you need to go to counseling. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. And then we, don't, we didn't play pickleball. I, I don't know what that is. And just horseshoes, basketball, <laughs> soccer. No, just kidding. Um, uh, and so we, 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 we did this. And, and so Aunt Bessie had this job. And what Aunt Bessie uh, would do is her job was to give everybody who was in our family a family reunion T-shirt. I don't know if we have a picture of that or not. Uh, if we have a picture of that, can you put that up? Uh, and so the family reunion T-shirt was like the cheesiest T-shirt in, in family. Y'all, please keep that up there. In family, it's it, just awful. And I, I was going to bring the T-shirt, but I forgot it. Long story. So I got a picture of it, right? And so this was the T-shirt. This is the actual T-shirt. And so everyone who was in our family would get one of these T-shirts. And Aunt Bessie would send it in the mail. But here's the deal. Like, Aunt Bessie knew something. She, she would always order these extra T-shirts. And Aunt Bessie would sit at the entrance of this place called Blobs Park that we would have a reunion at every year. And everyone who showed up to the family reunion, who was crashing the party, like she would make sure that if they weren't a part of the family, that they felt like that they were a part of the family, so she would put new clothes on them. And Aunt Bessie would make sure every single person at the family reunion felt like they were a part of the family, even though they weren't connected biologically. And what I noticed about this idea that Aunt Bessie had is, is in the body of Christ. You know, now let's take it outside of the, the world, but just in the church. What I love is this great opportunity for us to make everyone feel like family. The idea of no matter your background, like no matter your past, like if you read the Gospels of Jesus Christ, like all throughout the Gospels, like Jesus, the kingdom in motion had this job. It had this commission. He had this mission that every single person, no matter what they struggled 
with, no matter what they profess, no matter their ideologies, no matter their generational strongholds, no matter their sickness or disease, that they had an opportunity to feel like family. You see, but it's important for us to understand that family is essential to God. It's essential to God. Like from Genesis to Revelation, like the idea of family is the kingdom of God. The idea of family is what establishes heaven on earth. The idea of family is how God intended to, to, to really, for us to fulfill the great commission. And so when we think about family, I think first we have to have this idea of spiritual family. Where does this idea come from? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And we're going to teach a little bit, and then we'll preach a little bit, and then we'll cry a little bit, and laugh a little bit, and hug a little bit. It says, then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And uh, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves along the earth. And so if we were to look in our spiritual DNA, not, not you know, our biological DNA, but our spiritual DNA, we can see that the idea of family, it, it was God's idea. Like it's impossible to be fruitful by yourself. It's impossible to multiply alone. Now, if you look at the scripture in the context of the Great Commission, you begin to understand why the enemy is so after family. Why the enemy is, comes at us and, and, and tries to divide our marriages. Because he understands that fruitfulness and dominion, I'm sorry, and to the ability to multiply and the ability to subdue will bring dominion, which is heaven to earth. Now listen, I know that heaven is a place that all of us were told that when we die, we're going to go to. And I do believe that. It's amazing. And I'm going to have a mansion. Come on, somebody. I don't know if I will, but maybe I'm good enough. I don't know. But you can actually have heaven now. Like we pray it in the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer, when Jesus said pray that prayer, it's an invitation, not for just the person of Jesus to show up, but the place where he resides to show up. And when we worship and when there's a sacrificial life and, and when we do life and when we're at the mall and at work, we have this beautiful opportunity for the kingdom of heaven to invade earth in a way that gives us dominion. Dominion is heaven's jurisdiction. Dominion is when we colonize earth with Christians and God-fearing people so that we can take territory, this is all scripture, but it requires family. Somebody say family. But the enemy understands that what I just explained to you, 
Whether you agree with it or not, the enemy does. Because you have to look at what he's attacking. And he does not fight what he doesn't fear. So the enemy fights family. And so here it is in this word division. If the enemy had a weapon, the greatest weapon of the church against the church, against the kingdom of God, is division, not racism, not anti this or anti that. It's division. And what he wants us to do is work on symptoms and not the main issue. And so we've been working on symptoms and trying to get policies and all these things for symptoms. But what God wants us to do is to love outside the lines so that we can bring heaven to earth. But division is in our DNA. Come on. We, we can't even decide, me and Irene, which restaurant we're going to DoorDash. Is anyone else? Just like, what do you want to eat? Don't even ask me. Just, I'm not going through this for 23 years. Come on, it's the same conversation. I'm going to say, you're going to tell me it doesn't matter. I'm going to say what I want, and you're going to say I don't like that. And then we're going to go down the list. Come on, somebody. So just pick what you want. And we had, we're famous for two different cars showing up with two different orders, two different fees. God. Division. Division is all around us. If we look at it, there's division in your biological family. And if we're honest, how many of y'all... Raise your hand if your family's crazy. If like you are connected, your family's crazy. If you don't have your hand up, it's probably you. Like it's, it's, it's probably you. So when we look at symptoms, it's easy for us to look at individual and we, and we hone in and we focus on one area. But when we look at the injury, when we look at the bigger picture, we can see division all around us. And the enemy is busy trying to get you to focus on a symptom rather than to solve the real issue. So division is real. Division is stopping the move of God. And so what division does is it calls us to draw lines. But I want you to understand that we got it honest. And for sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase the strength of division they're going to put Genesis 11 up there, and we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. Now, this passage of Scripture shows not only the strength of division, it actually shows the strength of unity and how God sees that when his people are unified around the wrong thing, it can bring division from the right thing. So how do I know this? Because it says, look, God's saying these people are united and they speak all the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages so they won't be able to understand each other. You think it's just a, you and your wife fighting. She don't understand me. I don't understand her. But where did that come from? Is it just <laughs> like you want your sleep number at three and hers at seven? It's not that. It's a bigger 
issue of division. So God confused the languages because why? Because the people want to get to God without being like God. Uh Uh-oh. He's like, I knew he was coming. I knew it. And that has been passed down to us where we want to get to God without loving like God loves. And that's why the greatest commandments is love God, love people. And I believe that it's time for all of God's people to love all of God's people. No matter their color, no matter their background, no matter their political view, we have to love God's people. Now here's what I have discovered about us Christians. Are y'all ready? We would rather people know what we're against rather than what we're for. So we lead conversations with what we're against because we're uncomfortable. So I need to set the tone of what I'm against, what I don't believe in, what I don't align with. And it's crazy to me that we lead people to our personal ideologies rather than a personal relationship with Jesus. Am I? I'm talking about me too. And so the question is, is when's the last time you led someone to Jesus? Or you led someone to something that you feel needs justice? This is us. And what it's doing, it's creating those people and our people. It's creating them versus us. It's creating right versus wrong. And what it does is now we ostracize the people that Jesus was called to. I believe the Bible. Well, what do you believe on this issue? The Bible. What do you think about that? The Bible. What do you think about sin? The Bible. Well, what does sin ultimately do? It separates us from God. How many of y'all would say I'm a sinner? Saved by grace. If you're not, you're the crazy family member. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we all got division honest. Because if we're separated from God, we are separated from one another. I'm I'm, I'm teaching truth here. God, this is in this book. This book, if you don't have diverse relationships, you don't need to just buy this book because of that. If you struggle loving some crazy people in your family, it's in here. Because... Adam and Eve were divided. They were the same color. That got passed down to Cain and Abel. Same color. Murder. That gets passed down to Jacob and Esau. Twins. Same color. Now just one's hairier than the other. Now they're, you know, my hair's better than yours. Like, like, think about it. Like, my stew is better than your stew. Like, like, mom loves me, dad loves him. What happens? Division. And from Genesis to Revelation, we see the power of division. That's now in the form of Democrat, Republican. Now in the form of white, black. 
now in the form of Nigerian or Ghanaian. Same color skin, different issues. This division is not a black-white thing. It's a devil thing. Uh-huh. But, but what happens is, is we don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. What I'm going to do is make it comfortable. That's my goal. I, I fought with the publisher when, 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 when I wrote the book. They were like, you're not strong enough in the book. I said, because in my greatest ideologies, in my greatest beliefs, in my deepest convictions, you know what I've never done? Change your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So what's the use of my opinion to try to change somebody if I don't even, I'm not Elohim. I'm not Yahweh. So I'd rather lead them to Jesus so Jesus can change their heart if they're wrong on an issue. Like four of you clapped. That was amazing. So pastor, what do we do? I'm glad you asked me. I want to give you some solid points. And here's number one. If you're going to love outside the lines, you have to understand that it must cause you to put on new clothes. New clothes. If I'm going to put on something new, that means I have to take off something old. Are you willing, am I willing, this is what God asked me, to take off my opinion and then put on my ability to make a difference? You can't do both at the same time. It's impossible for you to make a difference if your goal is to make a point. I'm not, I'm not like condemning anybody because I believe what I believe. But did it come from God or my parents or my grandparents? Because what God told me is to get back to this, so we have to put on new clothes. And Galatians says, for you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united in Christ have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And otherwise, what the Bible is saying here is this, and I don't have time to go through this, but when you got saved, you became a citizen of the kingdom, not a citizen of your own kind. When you got saved, you, put on, you took off the mindset of those people and you put on the mindset of our people. When you got saved. When you got saved, you became adopted. Here's what it says. Like, Scripture says that we've been adopted into the body of Christ, which means if I can dance and you can't, we can dance. Come on, somebody. If I can cook and you can't cook, we cook. Come on. It's not white men can't jump. If I can jump and you can't, which I can't jump so it smashes that stereotype, we can jump, but yet what we do is we allow the significance of biological family to trump the supernatural gift of spiritual family. And when you got saved, you put on new clothes, and here's what you adopted for. Here's what you said. My ethnic culture is now subculture 
to the kingdom culture. I'm preaching scripture. I've never heard this. But God showed me something. And he said, they're after the wrong thing. People are trying to fix stuff with policy without my presence. What's the use of changing what people's hands do if we haven't changed what their hearts can accept? So we have to put on new clothes, guys. What I have understood about the body of Christ, and this is not a condemnation, this is just a an observation is that if you don't adopt my way of thinking, I then judge you that you're not adopted by God. And this is not at white people or Hispanic people or Asian people or this is for black folks too. Now, my church, I had to preach the same message to my church because when stuff happened on the news and they wanted me to talk about it and preach about it and what do you think about them? Who? Who's them? You want me to hate half my wife? I, I don't know what you're asking me to do because there's no such thing as justified unforgiveness. So this is our mandate. This is generational diversity. This is gender, this is socioeconomic, that there's no status. There's no those rich people and our poor people. The problem is, is we have allowed culture to define lines. And now we have what's right and wrong about people on earth, not what's right in scripture, because the only thing that's gonna fix wrong is heaven. So we have to put on these new clothes. Number two, this, this loving outside the line, it calls me outside of my comfort zone. Woo. Everybody put your hand out like this. Come on, come on, come on, go with me. Stop in the name of love. Between your hand and your head is your comfort zone. It's, it's what you're comfortable with and what you, it's, I get it. Now I'm going to take you through an exercise. How many of you love to be comfortable? I love to be comfortable. Like, I want the air set. Me and Irene fight about the air most in our marriage. If you want to know what we fight about most, the temperature in the house. It's frigid. I feel like I'm being petrified. Like, I'm, like it's cold, y'all. I'm talking about I shouldn't have to wear a, a hoodie in Florida. <laughs> we all like to be comfortable. Now, I want to walk you through a quick exercise. I like to be comfortable. I love it. Come on, Ray. Anybody? Like, yeah, like, my way is the best way. Like, come on. Like, now comfort becomes my preference. I prefer to be comfortable. So when I go to somebody else's house, their air is wrong if it's not on my temperature. Come on. So I'm comfortable. I prefer to be comfortable. Watch this now. Comfort now becomes my standard. Everyone who don't like the air the way I like it doesn't experience air the way it should be experienced. 
Now let's take it out of air and put it on medium rare steak. Uh-huh. If you like your steak well done, I'm judging you. That's called beef jerky. <laughs> steak is meant to be eaten medium rare. To the point that people who don't eat their steak medium rare haven't experienced steak at all. So I went from comfort to preference to standard. Now I stereotype everybody who doesn't eat steak medium rare or doesn't like their air conditioning the way I like it because I've built my life around my comforts and my preference and my standards, now I don't have proximity with people who eat beef jerky. I don't have proximity with people who set the air conditioner at 62 degrees in Florida. I don't have proximity with people, come on somebody, who chooses sleep number seven. So all I can do is make up about them from my last interaction or which news channel I watch. And it's so easy to stereotype people because we don't have proximity. Pastor, what's stereotyping? It's when your mind decides to stop learning based off of what you've been told, what someone else experienced, or what you used to have proximity with that you don't have proximity with anymore. Here's the issue. There hasn't been, in the white black, people who have a kingdom agenda, not a king agenda, to educate us on how do we have conversations about this? What do I say when something goes down that's against my conviction? I promise you. Like Peter and I don't agree on everything, but we've just committed to loving outside the lines. So now I go from preference to comfortability to preference to standard to stereotyping because I don't have proximity, I prejudge. And then I'm not racist, I'm just superior because my way of steak is better than yours. Are y'all with me? Like, I'm, God blew my mind when he gave me this, because I'm not praying here. I'm saying, God, over here, help me with my comfort. God, help my comfort not to become a preference where I lose proximity with the people I'm called to reach. We have to leave our comfort zone. How do we do that? You have to look at the guy who's gotten the biggest royalty check in history, Father Abraham. Come on, you're going to get there. You know that song, Father Abraham and many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Let me do it the white way. Father Abraham and many sons, many sons of Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right hand, 
Black church. Father Abraham had many times and many. <laughs> Latino, Father Abraham had many. Stereotyping. That's what I just did. Nigerian, Father Abraham had many sons. Jamaican, Father Abraham had many sons. Hey, and what if we could laugh with our coworkers that don't look like us? And step outside of our comfort zone. And what God did is in Genesis chapter 12, he called a guy called Abraham. And I'm going to just read this to you a little bit so you know I'm preaching scripture. It says, in the Lord, Genesis 12, and I'm almost done. And the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. And then it says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Look at this. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and in you, not around you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Production team, I'm only doing those two points. Put on new clothes. Leave your comfort zone. You can't leave something that you won't admit you have. I have comforts. When I got up this morning, the first thing I thought is, I hope my family accepts their black uncle today. I'm just being honest. Like, I know they like me when I preach forgiveness, and I know they like me when I preach, but God, can I? Will you use me today? to invite them on a journey with you, not me, so that we can change this city for Jesus? Can, can, can we drop our ideologies? Can we, for a second, ask God, does my heart break for the things that breaks your heart? Would I rather people know what I'm against than what I'm for? These are the questions that I've had to ask myself, and I ask myself every day. I promise you. You know why God chose Abraham? Because of his willingness to leave. To leave an ideology, to leave a family tradition, to leave a racial joke at Easter dinner, to leave. Because here's what I've come to find out about God. Are y'all ready? He doesn't do anything in singles. He never goes to Wendy's and orders a single with cheese. It's always double. God never does anything without multiplication and fruitfulness and dominion in mind. Never. It's never about one person. It's always about multiple people. Let me put it in scripture terms. 
How can you or I change the world with a small worldview? Abraham had the ability to love nations. Because if God was going to change the mistakes of Adam and Eve and break the curse of sin and division, it took a heart that could love all nations. I'm, my theology has been jacked up by this understanding that God's given me. Because the scripture says, there's another scripture, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Maybe my ability to love my neighbor is a little jacked up because I've fallen in love with my self-beliefs and my self-ideologies and my self-fish ways. And somebody says, no, I can love my neighbor. This is what God, this, can, can I give you my conviction? It's so easy for me to love people that like medium rare. It's so easy for me to people that like the air at 68. It's so easy for me to love people that love the shoes that I like. So easy. But what about people that wear Skechers? See, it's easy to love your neighbor if you keep picking your neighborhood. But God's calling us to go into the world. And so what he did is, in Acts chapter 2, there were about 120 Abrahams in a room. They called it the upper room. It's amazing to me that the upper room didn't become upper class. It's amazing to me that the upper room wasn't our ways or better. The upper room said this, like there was a promise from Isaiah that went to a guy named Jesus who died and he said he was going to leave not a white spirit, not a black spirit, not an Asian spirit, not a 62 degree spirit, a Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And here's the deal, Substance Church. They were all there for Passover. There was nations from everywhere. There were people that spoke different languages and different dialects. And they couldn't understand each other. And when they would talk to people that, didn't, that wasn't from where they're from, it would be like to them that they were babbling. You had no idea that that whole thing was a setup for God to redeem what happened in Genesis chapter 11 when he confused the languages. It said that tongues of fire fell down from heaven and there was revival and the whole place began to shake. And, and, and what happened after that, y'all, is still happening today. God anointed Peter 
somebody who's not qualified. And Peter got an Aunt Bessie spirit. And people who are now not babbling and understanding each other's language, Peter goes and starts putting t-shirts on all sorts of people, making sure that they felt like family. And 3,000 were added to the church and those that were added daily. Why? Because there was 120 people that, did, that wasn't right. They wanted revival. I've just decided for the rest of my life, I don't want to be right. I want revival. I wonder if God's touching these colleges because there's a generation who doesn't think like we think. That music artists of different nationalities are now coming together like, like never before, mixtapes and, and collabs. Everything is about a collab. And I wonder if God's releasing revival of that generation because he can trust them with nations. Can we stand at every campus online? And God, what I'm asking you to do is trust us with nations. What I'm asking you to do is break our hearts for the things that break your heart. And if this message has somehow helped you, somehow got you to think, I don't wanna condemn anyone, I don't wanna change anyone's mind, I just want you to ask God. God, does my heart break for the things that breaks your heart? And is my first response a response of judgment or a response to bring people to Jesus? That's it. Can you, can you just put your hands out in a, in a receiving mode? God, I pray, God, that, you would, that we would receive your scripture, that we would receive your word. God, more of you and less of us. And Father, we repent if you wanted to bring nations to this church. You wanted to bring nations to our family. You wanted to bring revival, but... You do not entrust a spirit of multiplication with a divided heart. So, Father, break our hearts for the things that breaks yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons have fathers.